If you're visiting this morning, you should know that we are coming around the bend of our sermon series this Lent entitled, God With Us. Long before uh, Jesus was promised to be a savior or a king, uh, Jesus was foretold to us as Emmanuel, God with us. Even in the seasons of our lives that we may say no, (laughs) God says yes. Even in the seasons of our life where we say, God, you're nowhere to be found, God says, I am with you. Even when we are in the deepest darkness we could ever imagine, God comes to us as light. This morning, we're going to turn uh, to the Gospel of John, and before we do, there are two things I need you to know. The first is, um, this morning's sermon is going to include a story um, about Fred Anderson, Fred Anderson uh, was a longtime member of the church. He was also the former chair of the Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church Foundation. And you should know that Fred's journey with ALS came to an end nearly 30 days ago on Ash Wednesday. Fred's uh, family allowed me to share uh, part of his story in the story I will share with you today at his memorial service. It's really important for me that you all know this at the top of our sermon because you should know that I consider it an immense privilege to share the journey of life and faith with you. And you should know that anytime we talk, whether it's over here in my office or at the grocery store in front of the milk aisle, that uh, everything we talk about, I keep in the vault of pastoral privilege. And I wanna thank you for allowing me to occupy that space. And I want you to know that this story is shared with permission. The second thing that I want you to know this morning is about the Gospel of John. And this is a nuanced point, but it is uh, essential to what we're gonna be talking about this morning. The gospel writer of uh, John is more interested in revealing who the Christ is for us than the gospel writer is in revealing Jesus to us. I'm going to say it again. The gospel writer of John is more interested in revealing who the Christ is for us than the gospel writer is in revealing who Jesus is for us. And you may be thinking, wait, I thought Jesus is Christ. That's right, but we have to remember that uh, Christ is not Jesus' last name. We don't get angry with Jesus and go, Jesus H. Christ, you better come here right now. No, Jesus is the Christ. The way in which the Spirit of God has been with us before time as a divine flow through every season. It's why the Gospel of John starts with uh, the words that we know from Genesis, the book of beginnings. In the beginning was the word. Way to go, Presbyterians. (laughs) And the word was, and the word was, yeah, it's confusing. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And the word is with God. Uh, John, 
is trying to get us from the beginning to understand that the Christ has always been with us. This morning's sermon is going to invite us to consider the ways of the Christ. So listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Jesus said to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, uh uh-uh, we do not know where you're going. I mean, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him. For you have seen him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Awaken us, O God. Awaken us to your spirit that hovers here. Your spirit that hovers here in this sanctuary. Just as she hovered over the waters of creation. Reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words that they would be your word to us here and your word to us right now. Breathe new life, O God, into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. For you are our rock and you are our redeemer. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. It's Monday, March 5th, 2018. I had to look it up. It's sometime uh, after 4.15 in my office. Fred Anderson, uh, the then chair of the Church Foundation, and I have just concluded uh, our business. When Fred leans over, and ask a question. So a question for you, Matthew. What's that, Fred? Is Jesus really the only way? Hmm. What do you mean, Fred? I mean, doesn't Jesus say, Matthew, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets and I join him to the Father except through me? I said, well done, you know your scriptures. And yes, that's what the text says, uh, John. So Fred continued. So is Jesus really the only way, Matthew? What do you mean, Fred? Well, what about uh, all those people on remote islands that uh, actually have never even seen electricity, and so they've actually never even heard about Jesus? What about them? What about all those people who live in countries where, you know, they block out the good news of Jesus? I mean, what about uh, people there who have never even heard of the Bible? What about them? 
What about people, Matthew, who've gone through just ungodly pain? And even uttering the words, Jesus, they'll never be able to do it. Really, is Jesus the only way to God, Matthew? Fred's questions uh, tell you a lot about him, by the way. I said, Fred, uh, where in the text does it say only? He smirked. He held one finger up and he said, good question. If I got a smirk and a finger from Fred, I was on the right path. I said, Fred, I heard I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I didn't hear an only in there. I never heard an only. So uh, a question for you now, Fred. Um, You love going to the lake, do you not? I love going to the lake, Matthew. You go all the time. I have gone to the lake thousands of times. I asked Fred, have you ever been driving to the lake and noticed one of the exit signs? You know the ones that tells you whether or not there's like a Hardee's or a McDonald's? He says, yes, Matthew, I know what an exit sign is. I said, have you ever noticed at the bottom of one of those exit signs, you know, uh, McDonald's right here, that there's a little blue sign at the bottom of that exit sign? He said, the little blue sign with the white H in the middle of it? I said, that's the one. I said, what is that little blue sign with a white H, he said, oh, that's a little sign that says you get off at that exit to go to the hospital. I said, excellent. In all of your years of driving to the lake, have you ever seen an accident? He said, I've seen more accidents that I uh, care to mention. Turns out people drive mad on the way to the lake. I said, have you ever seen an ambulance pull over, help people who have gotten into a wreck, get the person loaded in the back, pull up to the exit sign, and to the little blue sign with the white H. Have you ever seen them take a patient there? He said, Matthew, that's a ridiculous question. I said, why? He said, because the ambulance can't pull up to a little blue sign with a white H and think that they've arrived at their destination. I said, why is that, Fred? He said, Matthew, I've already answered your question. The sign is there to tell you that the hospital is that direction. You don't pull up to a sign. A sign points you to the way to the hospital. And as soon as he said it, he looked at me and he said, wait a second. Are you telling me that Jesus might be saying, I am pointing you to the way of Christ? I said, am I saying that, Fred, or are you saying that? I said, you're on the right track. Because Fred, in the Gospel of John, the Gospel writer is more interested in revealing the way of the Christ than the Gospel writer is interested in revealing the way of Jesus. So when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, uh, Jesus is pointing us to the way of how the Christ has been working and has will always be working in the world. For the Gospel of John is revealing that the Spirit of God has been with us long before we even knew who God was. The Christ 
is uh, defined this way by Richard Rohr, anywhere where spirit and matter are one. So any place where spirit and matter are one. So we would then come to know that the Christ is the life-giving, animating force behind all of creation. And Jesus is saying, that is the way of the Christ through me. It's the way of the Christ since the beginning. And it's the way of the Christ forever and always. Which then, my dear friends leads us to a very important topic. If the Christ has been with us since the beginning of, the time, beginning of time, if the Christ has been present in and through Jesus, the Christ is still with us. The Christ is not dead. For the Christ has been alive and at work in the world throughout all time, which is a really important point. Because it invites us to be open to what the living Christ is doing here and now. Why is this important? Because if we're not careful, the ways in which we orient ourselves in the world might close us off to what Christ is doing. If we walk through the world thinking that Jesus is dead and he'll come back someday and then we'll figure out what the life-giving work of the Spirit of God is, then we are closing ourselves off to what the Spirit of God is doing here and now. And if we do that, then we will miss the deeper mercies. We will miss hope and despair. We will miss light in the midst of darkness. We might even miss life in the face of death. So when we hear Jesus saying, I am the way, Jesus is inviting the disciples and us to be in the way of the Christ, to be in the way of the flow of the Spirit of God that has been with us in all times and all places. But friends, if we're not careful, if we're not intentional about our orientation to faith, we won't be in the way of the Christ, we'll just be in the way of Jesus. if we're not careful about our orientation to the life of faith, we can end up in the way of Jesus and never end up in the way of Christ. This is what I mean. It can happen to even the most well-meaning of Christians, you know? Life happens, and the God that we uh, have been handed down, it leads us to a posture, you know, like an orientation in the world like this. I don't know about you, I grew up in the Bible Belt, and so, you know, faith was handed to me as a young person as something that you needed to hold on to, something that you needed to guard, something that you needed to protect, something that you needed to make sure that everybody was on the same page about who Jesus was. And you can sort of walk through the world like this, trying to hold on and to protect. 
You can uh, sometimes walk through the world like this, even as a well-meaning person of faith. You know, everybody else needs to rise up to your standards of faith. Use the right words and the right theology and the way that we talk about God. Because if you don't, we'll be right there to re-educate you and to knock you down. We can walk through the world like this, you know, uh, we need to go on mission trips and to make sure that we are saving everybody for our version of Jesus. And really all that we're asking them to do is to, you know, catapult over some standard that we've set for ourselves. And if you don't do it, then we're here to make it right. We can walk through the world like this. You know, it's my way or the highway, folks. I met Jesus. This is what Jesus did for me. And if Jesus doesn't do it for you, then I don't trust it. We can walk through the world like this. You know, this is how I raised my kids. You know, my grandmother taught me to pray like this. And if you don't pray like this, we can walk through the world like this. This is who we are. Because this is what God told our ancestors. And I never got around to examining it, but I've been holding on to it to know it was true. You know, I hit a journey, and this is how Jesus unfolded himself to me. So if it's not the same way for you, mm, I mean, you can see it, right? It's a little, little corny, but it's a defensive posture. It's walking through the world protecting rather than accepting. It's walking through the world viewing everyone or everything as a problem to be solved rather than being open to what the Christ, the animating spirit behind all of creation might be revealing in this time and this place. It's a posture of saying. I'm in control. And I'll know if Jesus solves this for my life when things work out like I've planned them. It's a posture of saying, I am going to control everything, even Jesus. And when we stand in that place, my friends, we can be standing in the way of Jesus. And we'll never stand in the way of the Christ. That posture can keep us so locked up and so certain and so afraid and so in control that we'll never experience the good news, the saving mercy, the light, and the love of Christ that Christ has waiting for us. Can I just say, I know this to be true. I'm not just trying to overcook your grits. I have stood in the way of Jesus more in my life than I would care to admit. I have stood in the way of Jesus more in my life than I would care to admit. And it's just embarrassing. Tumbling. It's vulnerable. 
I was just certain that, that Jesus' call was going to look like this or that God was going to do this in a relationship or that the Spirit of God was going to come in and solve some problem, and I just knew it. And the reality was I just knew what I wanted Jesus to do. I was not open to what the Christ was going to do. I've never uh, stood in the way of Jesus more than I did in the winter of 2006. In uh, the winter of 2006, I got on an airplane in Atlanta and uh, boarded a flight with 15 folks from my home church uh, to fly to San Pedro Sula, Honduras. And then we uh, landed in San Pedro Sula, we got on a bus, and we went up to Kimistan, about, you know, 10 miles south of the Guatemalan border, and uh, that mission team was going to be there for 15 days, you know, knocking out our task. We were going to meet with the person who was going to drill the well, we were going to check in with the local elementary school, we were going to meet with all of our partners to make sure they had uh, spent their money just the way that we had told them to. We were going to go look at house uh, sites that we were going to build for mission teams that summer. And so for the next seven days, that's exactly what we did. We went about our task and our list. And at the end of the seventh day, I got on the bus with those 15 people. Uh, our armed uh, chaperones, shall we call them, joined us. We drove over the mountains back to San Pedro Sula. All 15 of those people got off the bus and on an airplane so did our armed chaperones. They didn't get on the airplane, but they stayed in San Pedro Sula. I got back on the bus and went back to Kemistan as the only American in that town for the next seven weeks. And the next seven weeks, I was fresh out of college, which should tell you I was um, particularly well-suited to stand in the way of Jesus. I made it my personal mission to make sure that we made some progress around there, that we got things done the right way, that we got that well uh, drilled, and that water, I saw it with my own two eyes, would come out of that ground. I made sure that the 600 desks over in that elementary school not only were sanded, but they were uh, also sealed. I made it my personal mission that I was going to te teach English two nights a week, every week I was there, and I made it my personal mission, that we were going to go explore those sites, and I was going to come back with a really fancy, well-worded report to give everyone in our mission full confidence that their funds were being deployed and invested in the way prescribed. I did that for seven days, because on the eighth day, I realized I was standing in the way of Jesus, and I wasn't in the way of Christ. I went to lunch uh, at a church lady's house. She had a um, little cafe in the front room. She hosted me three days a week. Never charged me anything. Wouldn't let me pay her. I left lunch and we got in a truck and we went up to a house, uh, to a building site. And we had built three homes on this site and we were going to build two more the next coming summer. But when I got there, there weren't three homes. There were only two and I said, uh, I thought we were going to build two more because three had already been built. And they said, yeah, 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 the, um, we had to knock it down. I said, what do you mean you had to knock uh, the third house down? They said, um, sometimes the teams that come, they don't actually know how to build. And you know, our kids live in there. And it's not safe. 
So we, uh, we knocked it down, and we've been using some funds um, to hire some folks in construction here in the town to come and rebuild the house so it would be safe for our kids to live there. I said, would it be easier if we just weren't in the way trying to build houses we didn't know how to build? They said, it might be easier just to mix some concrete. I said, has anyone ever asked you that? They said, no. Let's pause. I'm not shaming mission. I'm not discounting mission trips. I'm not saying we should not be invested in the lives and the communities of those far beyond our zip code, but I am saying this. When we seek to go do for people, we are in this posture. When we seek to expect that a bunch of college students can go and build houses that are safe for children. We are viewing communities and people as problems to be solved that we can knock out in seven days and print t-shirts for. I'm saying when we walk in to communities that don't look like ours and we speak more than we ask questions and listen, we're in this posture. I'm saying when we approach those in our families already having having written what their responses to what we're going to say, we're in this posture. I am saying when we walk through with this posture in the world, we are probably standing in the way of Jesus and we're not open to the ways of Christ in the world. And I am saying when we stand this way, We are merely asking Jesus to be and to do what and who we need Jesus to be and do. And we're not open to receiving what the Christ has been doing and will do forever. 2006 um, changed everything for me changed who I understood God to be, changed who uh, I understood the world to be, that we all belong to one another, but it also forever changed how I prayed. I always prayed like this, and I felt like the harder I squeezed, maybe the mightier the prayer, you know, <laughs> but in 06, I started praying like this. I started praying uh, with open hands so that I might be open to the way of Christ beyond everything that I could imagine. I started praying like this so that maybe just by the grace of God, by nothing I could do on my own, I might be living like this in the world. And so I hope uh, in sharing that with you that this week, I if it feels okay for you, that you might pray like this just once and ask what uh, the Christ is doing in your world and in your life. And I pray that that prayer will lead you to see all the places and all the relationships that you're living like this. 
so that you might show up and live like this. I want to close in prayer this morning. The prayer is not fully my own. It's mostly Henry Nowen. But I'm going to invite us to close our eyes, and when we do, do whatever you want. But I would, if you're open to it, I wonder if you just put your hands out right in front of you and just sense what that might be like as we pray. Let us pray. Holy God, I am so afraid to open my clenched fist. Who will I be when I have nothing left to hold on to? Who will I be when I realize I am standing before you with empty hands? Please help me, O God, to gradually open my hands in all places in my life so that I might discover that I am not what I own or what I do, but I am who you have created me to be. Open me, O God, to the many ways of the Christ. Amen.